and welcome to the Lions Podcast, the NFC South edition. It is Matt Brown, it is Steven Andrus, and if you are new to this here podcast, if you are new to this here YouTube channel, I'll tell you how we do everything. Everything's absolutely free. All we ask is that you provide your support by hitting the little subscribe button, give us a little thumbs up, do a little five star if it's on the audio side of things, and uh, of course, any comments, all that stuff like that, we do appreciate that. As well as we move along, Stephen, we have been rocking and rolling with these previews from these divisions. And I think this one's a pretty interesting one with the NFC South because I think there's a case to be made. And I just want to talk with blanket here, but I think there's a case to be made for any one of these teams and Bucks included winning this division because I don't think that there is a team that is head and shoulders above the rest. And I don't think that there is a team, even though I would still put the Bucks in the fourth on the pecking order. I don't think that there's a team that is so far so far worse than any of the other teams that they're completely out of it. So if we were sitting here doing a postmortem to this NFL season and you and I were going through and we're looking back at our previews that we have done, if if it was the Bucks that won this division, I'd be like, I mean, that's a little weird, but that doesn't shock me. Yeah, it's it's fair. I mean, I'll I'll get to my concerns about the Bucks when we talk yeah. about them specifically, but it is probably the most wide open wide open division because it's just very mediocre it seems going into the season the the caveat here is that three of the four teams in this division have five of the or top five easiest schedules if you go by opponent win totals so the it may not be as bad in terms of win loss record as we saw a year ago so we may see some inflated records just based on on strength of schedule, but um, you know I, I will say that there's a cap on this division in my mind, regardless of who the best team is and how many wins they have. Mm-hmm. I can't get there in terms of making a run in the NFC playoffs. I think there's a big difference between piling up some wins in the regular season and do you have the ceiling to reach the Super Bowl even in the NFC that is is more wide open than in, in recent years with the AFC being so top heavy. I can't get to that point in this division, Matt. Yeah. If we, uh, if you head over to the Super Bowl odds, and of course all you got to do is just click on the NFL tab over on the lines. You're going to scroll a bit before you find one of these teams. You're going to find the Saints. <laughs> the uh, the shortest odds on the Saints out there. Well, I guess you'd say the best odds on the Saints. You're going to find 40 to 1 on the Saints, and that's the first team that you're going to find as you continue to scroll. You'll hit the Falcons. They are about 80 to 1 is the best number you're going to find, but literally consensus on that team is about 65-ish, 70-ish to 1. You're going to find the Panthers at 80 to 1 as well, consensus more in that 70 range. And then the Bucks, you can find a 150 to 1. That's kind of an outlier. They're more in the 100 to 1 range there for the Bucks. But one of the longest shots as we head into the season to win the Super Bowl. Now, the division specifically, the Saints are your favorite, followed by the Falcons, the Panthers, and then the Bucks. Plus 130, best number you're going to find on the Saints, plus 240. The best number you're going to find on the Falcons, plus 400, so 4 to 1. They're on the Panthers, and then you can find 8 to 1s or several 8 to 1s out there on this Bucks team. So, Stephen, let's kick things off here with the favorite. It is the Saints. They were 7 and 10 last year. Uh, they move into this year a little, looking a little bit differently. Gone is, you know, Andy Dalton, Marcus Davenport's out of town as well. Bring in Derek Carr, Foster Morrow. They drafted Brian Brissy out of Clemson. They drafted Isaiah Folksy, uh, uh, Foskey out of Notre Dame. He's a defensive end. That's a defensive tackle, by the way, Brian Brissy out of, out of Clemson. Those guys are likely to see a, a good amount of playing time this year as well and to get to that seven and ten record they didn't win three of their last four games that being said 
to get to that seven and ten record and of those three of three of the last four you know wins that they got it was Desmond Ritter's first start whenever they got a win it was the Browns in that weird like negative 16 game that had the winds of like 35 miles an hour or whatever and stuff like that like not taking anything away from the wind just saying that the, the range of outcomes for that game was infinite with the way that that weather was going and then it was an Eagles team that was playing with Gardner Minshew and didn't have Lane Johnson and all that as, as they were headed down the stretch just trying to get Jalen Hurts back healthy. Again, not taking anything away from the wins, just saying like to get to those seven wins, three of those wins were, again, a rookie making his first start, a very, very outlier weather game, and then a, a team that was playing with their backup quarterback and without one of the best tackles in, in all of football. So I can't say it's it it happens very often where you have a seven and ten team in the following year their win total is nine and a half and I think you and I would both agree that that is very much because of the schedule that they have they have the easiest schedule in the NFL this season if you go by opponent win totals going into the season and it makes sense why they've gotten a little bit of action there it is juiced to the under at nine and a half but. If you look at the schedule, the again, you go to lines.com, you can look at the lines for every single game for the entire season. Some books have already posted that. And they have 14 toss-up games, Matt, games with a spread yeah. of less than three. And they're only projected to be a three-point-plus favorite in two games this year. And only one game where they're projected to lose three-point dog at New England at some point in the middle of the season here. So... um Flip a coin, man, because they have a lot of winnable games, a lot of games that are toss ups. If if the variance goes their way, you know, maybe they they hit this over. But I don't think it's talent on this roster that is dictating a nine and a half win total based on on what they did last year, especially when you have PFF grading it as the number 19 roster in the NFL. It is the best ranking among the teams in this division for roster strength, but it's still a below average roster this year. Yeah, and here's the thing. It's because they have so many games against teams that I'm not going to say that we're not quite sure of, but certainly teams that could either overperform or certainly underperform, which is why you kind of get them to, to where they are right now. But but I think the real question here, and I you know, is he the best quarterback in the division? I guess we could say yes just because he's the most proven quarterback in the division, but Steven, I think there's a real question as to whether Derek Carr's any good or not. There were 39 quarterbacks for Pro Football Focus that qualified last year under their grading system, and he was 27th out of 39, right? I mean, we know that there's only 32 teams in the league, so there were some backups that qualified along the way. So we're talking about a guy who was way, way down there. And, uh, you know, I uh, change of scenery. We've seen it work before for some guys. I just don't know if the talent is actually – all that great with Derek Carr. I think he might just be league average or below league average. And if that's the case, you mix that with this offensive line that Pro Football Focus thinks is the 24th best offensive line heading into the season as well. They're going to be starting the second-year guy at left tackle. So his blind side is going to be a second-year guy that only started one game last season for this Saints team. So he's basically a rookie when it comes to, to actual starts. I don't know, man. I'm not jumping all over the Saints bandwagon. I'm not will- willing to crown this team in this division. And actually, I'm I'm kind of looking at almost any other team in this division for just about everything that we've mentioned so far. Yeah, I agree with you on Derek Carr. I will say this about the offensive line. I The, the talent is not good on paper, uh, but for what it's worth, this is an offensive line that 
allowed pressure in two and a half seconds or fewer at the league's sixth lowest rate. Uh, and if you combine that with Derek Carr, who's actually the number two quarterback by EPA per attempt, when he gets more than two and a half seconds of time to throw the ball. So it might be a good marriage there. And I think it also potentially could be a good marriage for Derek Carr, just based on the scheme here versus whatever the hell Josh McDaniels was trying to do in Vegas last year, because, you know, just on paper comparing what Derek Carr did with the Raiders and what Andy Dalton did with the saints, there's a couple spots where Carr's better. There's a couple spots where Dalton was better in particular. Dalton was ninth in success rate. Carr was 33rd, so very inconsistent down-to-down was Derek Carr, even though he was about league average in terms of EPA per play. So I think in this offense, maybe it's just a little bit more efficient, a little bit more shorter throws that have a higher chance of being completed and less of the high-risk throws that w- what from what we saw and deep shots that we saw in Las Vegas. Um, but that also doesn't really cover what the issues are on the defensive side here as well, because pass rush is a big issue here, Matt, for the saints. They were dead last in win rate and getting to the the quarterback. They were bottom five in PFF grade. They were 27th in pressure without blitzing. So they were relying heavily on that secondary to just hold up in coverage, not allowing chunk plays of 20 plus yards Uh, at the best rate in the NFL last year, but they did that without a pass rush, which was really incredible if you think about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure where the Saints are great, except for maybe Chris Olave at at wide receiver, but the O-line is going to have to hold up again with protection here. And, you know, I want to hear your point, but by the way, that long shot here that 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 are interesting too. Yeah. I mean, that team last year, I will say, too, is is I think maybe does get at least a little bit better with Derek Carr than with Andy Dalton from just an efficiency standpoint because they were were 26th and third and out percentage last year as well. And obviously, if you are not moving the chains, it is just going to be very difficult, even with the talent that they have on the defensive side of the ball, right? I mean, I don't think we would argue that you could look and say, hey, there are some real players on that side of the ball. Now, is it across the board? We'll see how the rookies play. We'll see if they can get a bounce-back season from Marshawn Lattimore, who, by the way, kind of had a down season last year. They're going to need much, much better play out of Bradley Roby in the slot because uh, he was terrible last year, and he's going to be their starting slot corner, so they're going to really need better play out of him. But, I mean, look, they're, I, I know it seems like we're poo-pooing the Saints here, or I am, I am at least, but I actually think so long as Michael Thomas can at least be 75% of what Michael Thomas used to be, then I actually think Olave can eat in this offense, right? Like yeah. I think Olave is a bet for you know we 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 always say, look, yes, we like to bet unders when it comes to props because at the end of the day, you need the guys to be out on the field and you can't predict injuries and much more pathways to to failure than there are to victory. But I, if Michael Thomas can be even seventy five percent of old Michael Thomas to take a little bit of the pressure off of Olave, I think Olave can absolutely eat. I think he is a stud in the making. I I think this kid is going to be one of the best receivers in the league in the next three years. And so um, even though I don't like the Saints really necessarily as a whole from a team standpoint, specifically because of the odds that are attached to them, I think Olave can can go wild this year. Yeah, I I think he's an elite route runner. Um, I think we've seen Derek Carr have no issue with feeding his top receiver a ridiculous amount of targets. So the ceiling is there in terms of, of volume and opportunity, but I'll, I'll just say this. My conclusion about the saints is that 
they could have a great regular season because the schedule is so easy. I don't think they have a ceiling in the postseason. So with that being said, there's still volatility in the regular season. So I'm not interested in paying like plus 130 to win the division. But I do think that there are a lot of wins potentially in this in the higher end of their range of outcomes. So what are a couple long shot props that I can look at here with the Saints if they do run pure in some of these closer games against mm-hmm. bad opponents? So uh, the first is, you know, Eli Hershkovich on, on his podcast beat the closing number. He mentioned Dennis Allen at 25 to one for coach of the year. And before you mention that Dennis Allen is probably a terrible coach, because I, I agree with that. You don't have to be an actual good coach to win this award. Yeah. Like we've seen Jason Garrett win this award. So it's just who- well, they got they had seven wins last year. It's typically the coach that can take the team from the previous year to X amount of 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 wins plus the next year. Right. And yeah. so it's like like you mentioned, the schedule is so soft that you have a seven win team. They could trip and fall into 11 wins strictly based off of how soft the schedule is. And then now you're in a position where even if you have that Allen ticket and he's not necessarily the, the, the front runner, front runner, you're probably having a chance to kind of play the market here and, and get yourself in a position to make money no matter what. And so I don't hate, I don't honestly don't hate that strictly based again off of where we sit right now. What I would say from a win total standpoint, if you want to bet the under on this Saints team, I would wait because they start off Tennessee, Carolina, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. That is four weeks in which, look, you're getting Tennessee in a pretty vulnerable situation. You're getting Carolina and Bryce Young's second start ever. You're getting Green Bay and Jordan Love's what is essentially third start ever. And then you get Tampa Bay in week four. So, like, those four games, very likely they could be three and one and hell, they could trip and fall into 4-0 and after those four games as well. Now, there is a New England game there in week in week five that is away. So, like, that, that's where I might go ahead and pull the trigger because they might could stumble there. But, but I, I, would, I would be looking to play an under after the first four weeks as opposed to doing it preseason. Along those lines of, of the Saints getting off to a good start based on an easy early season schedule, uh, credit Evan Silva, who was a guest on Eli's podcast, who, who brought this up. You can get 28 to one on the Saints to be the last unbeaten team in the NFL, and they don't play any good quarterbacks for a long time to start the year. To your point, Ryan Tannehill in the Superdome week one, Bryce Young, Jordan Love, either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, then Mac Jones and CJ Stroud. So they could be six and oh, and there's a world where they're the last unbeaten team and you cash 28 to one. Now they get Trevor Lawrence and the Jags in week seven. That might be tough if there's a couple or another undefeated team at that point. But if they get past Trevor Lawrence, it's easy again with Anthony Richardson. Justin Fields is got has got a lot to prove as a passer. Yep. Uh, and then really maybe the the true best test after the Jags is Kirk Cousins and the Vikings in week 10 before their week 11 bye. So I could see yeah. them being the last undefeated team strictly based off these quarterbacks they have to play. Certainly. And listen, we are just because we don't like the team necessarily as a whole. And I think this is one of those things, Stevie, you and I try to explain this when we talk the golf podcast, we talk whatever, like sometimes you just play numbers based off of the, the probability of something actually happening. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I know people are sitting here going like this Saints team's not going six and oh, you have to look who they're playing. I mean, again, you had it's, it's, it's Titans, Panthers, P- Packers, Bucks. Who had, I the, think the, who had I, the Eagles I, as I, the one seed last year. And then the like, schedule I'm is easy. the Patriots. 
Yeah. Right? Like, I'm fading the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots are very good. You get the Patriots in five, and then, of course, C.J. Stroud in Houston in six. Like, they could, in theory, not be one of the best 12 teams in all of the NFL and still be 6-0. and Like, that is like that is a very real possibility. And, and again, like it's, it's those tickets that you have in hand that you might be able to turn yeah. into some money. So, Stephen, let's talk about a team that I, I know a lot of people are, are kind of high on here in this division. And, listen, I'm pretty confused as to where I where I really sit on the Atlanta Falcons. Now, they were also 7-10 and 10 last season. But then you kind of dig in. And, and they only lost two games by more than one score, right? And so they lost 10 games, but eight of those games, they were in the game, right? I mean, like anytime you only lose by one score, you're in the game. And they only lost two games by more than one score. They do bring in a new defensive coordinator in Ryan Nielsen. He actually comes over from the Saints, so he's going to be very familiar with this division as well. So he comes over from the Saints to be their defensive coordinator, now, this was a team, when we talk about additions, there were a few that the Saints had. There's a lot, actually, here for this Falcons team. Of course, they bring in the big dog would be Jesse Bates on the defensive side of the ball. We know he is a ball-hawking safety that certainly can, can be a game-changer. Uh, David Onyemata on, on the defensive line is a guy that's going to come in. He's going to get a lot of run for this team. They traded for Jonu Smith, kind of a backup at the tight end position. Maybe they just run Kyle Pitts way more in the traditional wide receiver role, and, and they use Jonu Smith in the tight end role. We'll see how that all uh, comes to play. Caden Ellis, a linebacker that was one of the top-graded PFF linebackers all season last year, so he's in there. Calais Campbell's in there. They're going to see what's left of Jeff Akuda. They're going to see what's left of Bud Dupree. Um, with this, of course, they drafted B. John Robinson, as we know, and then Matthew Bergeron is an offensive lineman. They'll probably just swing across the, the offensive line for what, whoever gets injured and stuff somewhere along the way, but they took him in the second round, so they thought a lot of him. And really, from their subtraction, Stephen, it's really like it's just Marcus Mariota and Isaiah Oliver. That's about it, like as far as like major contributors for this team. And so it really is going to come down to how good is Desmond Ritter? You know, I mean, like, it, this is like, how good is Desmond Ritter? I know we just said that about the Saints. Is Derek Carr washed or is he actually good? It's going to come down to how good is Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I was about to ask you, complete this sentence. What is Desmond Ritter? Or Desmond Ritter yeah. is blank. And for me, it's about as unknown as Jordan Love is for the Packers. It's it's a four-game sample size last year that we can go by on Ritter. So for what it, for for what it's worth among quarterbacks with at least 100 plays last year, he was 33rd in EPA per play, 38th in success rate, 24th in expected completion percentage, therefore below average help from his scheme and his coaching to get guys open. Um, he also did have a negative completion percentage over expected despite being uh, below average in air yards. So it's not like he was chucking it downfield a ton. So again, very small sample. I have no idea what to think. If he does struggle, then the king of turnover-worthy plays, Taylor Heineke, is his backup, so I'm not sure that's going to help much, although he does have experience. Uh, so, so here's kind of where I'm at with at least the offense, Matt. They're an elite running team. They were top five in rush EPA and success rate. They basically used their, their first pick as a luxury pick to bring in Bijan Robinson, even though they already had a very cheap thousand yard rusher who they drafted with a day three pick in Tyler Algiers. So they, they just wanted to get even better in the running game. They, if they use Kyle Pitts like he's supposed to be used, it's another weapon. And I think Drake London's very good, but they're going to play at a snail's pace. Arthur Smith is not going to ramp up the pace here. 
and and put more volume on Desmond Ritter's plate. They were 27th in overall pace. They were the slowest in the league when leading by a touchdown or more. And even when they were trailing by a touchdown or more, they were still the 24th in pace in the NFL. So um, it's not a team I want to bet as a favorite very often, I don't think. But when they are an underdog, I might be interested in that. Or when they are a favorite, I might be interested in coming on the other side. Because when you're playing that slow of a pace, Matt, and you have this many questions in your passing game revolving around your quarterback, I think just the variance is going to be high. So how often are they going to win games by four, five, six, seven points this year? I just don't think it's going to happen very often. Yeah, I, I, you know, I look and I really do think it's kind of how they, how they define this offense, and and I think this offense, I think the upside for this offense, and I, this is not hyperbole, guys. You're probably thinking I'm saying this just, like, I think the upside of this offense could be a top twelve to t- t- top ten to twelve offense in the entire NFL with the addition of Bijan Robinson. When you consider Kyle Pitts, like kind of under the radar, and I think it's because he's in and out of the lineup, and obviously the team wasn't like wasn't great and with the seven and ten record and all that but like Kyle Pitts lined up in the slot 142 times last year he signed he lined up out wide 115 times last year so like they used him as more of a wide receiver than a tight end I think a lot more than people actually realize right and so now you have the second year of Drake London you continue to line up Pitts as like what a, a nightmare matchup at a wide receiver position Right. And then now you have Bijan Robinson that you can line up. Maybe you put Kyle Pitts out wide and you sneak Bijan Robinson into the slot. You do these little crazy things like apparently they're using him kind of as a Swiss Army knife in, in training camp right now. If you believe all the hype and all the stuff that's coming out, if that's the case and Desmond Ritter isn't terrible, if Desmond Ritter's league average or a little above league average, I think this offense could be very, very interesting. And when it comes down to that, you know, could they just outscore some teams, right? Like, I mean, could that be the case where, like, we're looking at a team that maybe the defense is is not all that great, but they're just outscoring teams. I mean, there is a stretch, right, from week five to week eight where they go Houston, Washington, Tampa, and and Tennessee, right? I mean, like, that is a pretty nice little four-game stretch for this team to really get in a groove if you beat Green Bay in week two, like maybe you're supposed to, it's kind of a coin flip with Carolina, you know, week one at home. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that this team has five wins by week eight. I don't think that that's crazy to think at all, right? And like maybe they steal one in Detroit or Jacksonville or something if, if this offense is humming. Um, but I do think the range of outcomes because of specifically what we don't know anything about Desmond Ritter. So Desmond, the range of outcomes, I think, is incredibly wide for this team because as you and I will beat down, you know, we'll beat this over everybody's head the more previews we do here. If you do not have a quarterback specifically in the NFL right now where there are so many elite, elite quarterbacks, then you have no shot whatsoever. And, and they could be in that boat because and, and we just don't know. We'll have to we'll have to find out. Yeah, I kind of feel like this is a situation where if you're going to trust Desmond Ritter, it's because you trust the coaching staff. It, it feels like a Kyle Shanahan situation. So do you trust Arthur Smith to put him in a good position to win and not ask too much of him? And the the other thing we haven't mentioned, Matt, is that, you know, the Saints have the easiest schedule by uh, opponent win totals. The Falcons have the number two easiest. So 
basically just as easy as the Saints. So combine those things, and it's another situation with a high range of outcomes here. The defense was terrible last year, 29th and 31st in EPA and success rate allowed. But I thought they had a pretty good excuse for that because they had a ridiculous amount of dead cap space. They're spending more money on players that weren't on their roster than they were on their offense or their defense. So I think... And they addressed the problem, right? They did. Listen, Bates, Ellis, Campbell... Dupree, Okuda, like that's five starters. Like they brought in five starters. Like they they brought in five different guys that are going to start for them this year, right? So I mean, it's like they know it, and they at least now. Is there anything left in the tank for Bud Dupree or, or Jeff Uko, uh, Jeff Okuda? Yeah. We don't we don't really know, but like we know that Bates is good. We know that Ellis is good. We know that Calais Campbell still has it. So I mean, like there's there's at least three quality players they added on the defensive side. I feel about their defense the same way I do about the Bears, a team that was bad on defense last year but went out and spent a ton of money this year. So what does that mean in terms of improvement? Does it mean they're going to be a top 10 defense? It seems like a stretch. Does it mean they could be around league average? Potentially, if they're healthy. So I think my conclusions on the Atlanta Falcons are I'm not sure I share the complete bullishness that there seems to be in betting circles on social media for the Atlanta Falcons this year. I'm not sure I'm there, but I certainly acknowledge the possibility that this is a team kind of like the Tennessee Titans in the past few years that just confuses the hell out of me because they don't throw it very much. They run the ball a ton and they might run pure in in these one possession games that they're playing with, with a, 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 uh, a slow pace. So I, yeah. I'm certainly acknowledging that, and I'm not running out to bet against them because I'm worried about their passing game because I have to acknowledge all of these other things and that they're kind of zigging when the rest of the league zagged in passing games and they're going with a running game. Yeah, and, and one final touch here. Again, they're plus 240, best number you're going to find out there on um, on them to to win the NFC South. So if you want to take a look around with all, and that's that, the worst of the number at this point because they've been bet down heavily over the pet over the off season. Yeah, and so there, there's there's that. So be sure and take a look. But I think Stephen, for me, and I know people hate when I say like, oh, you know, in season stuff and whatever. You just want to put the ticket in before the season starts. But if you want to put a reminder in your calendar or whatever, you know, I mean, listen. After week four, if you want to bet the over on the Falcons, I think that that's kind of the way to go here. Because, listen, Detroit is Detroit's probably going to be pretty good. Jacksonville's probably going to be pretty good. And here's the other thing. Those, both of those games are away, right? Like, they could easily start the season one and three. But then they hit a stretch of Houston, Washington, Tampa, Tennessee. Now, there is a hard game against Minnesota. But then they bounce back with what I think is going to be the worst team in the NFL with the Cardinals. So that is like five of six very, very winnable games for this team from week five to ten. And that, for me, would be like the the opportunity point to kind of jump in after week four where this win total has ticked down at the books. And then you can come in and really take advantage of the of the adjusted win total because you know, I think that that's the easy stretch for this team for them to really w- rack up some of these wins. I love that because right now you're paying heavy juice to go over eight and a half and they have 13 toss up games so, and three yeah. that they're projected to lose, including that game against Detroit that you mentioned. So um, it, it makes sense to me. I love this. I'm, I'm going to have like all these Google calendar reminders that uh, I have. Uh, a great idea, already, already, uh, I have 11 already. Dude. I, I never have, thought it, of that. It, it's genius. Yes. It's a great idea. Yes. 
I have eleven in my calendar already that I'm j- to to remind myself to look into well, you know what these teams' records are in certain weeks and things like that. So listen, it's the only way to do it. If if you're, I know it sounds ridiculous, and people are gonna be like, dude, you put reminders in your calendar? Yeah, I do. I put reminders in my calendar, right? Like I have for the last few years. It's just uh, it helps me out with everything. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers, best number you're going to find out there is four to one on them to win the NFC South. As far as we look at players that are lost, yeah, I don't have to tell you, DJ Moore no longer in town. He is gone. He was traded. Of course, Sam Darnold out of town as well, fighting for a job over there in San Francisco. Um, but look, they bring in Adam Thielen. They bring in Von Bell. They bring in Hayden Hurst. Shy Tuttle is going to get some run. Miles Sanders is going to get some run. DJ Chark is going to be there. And of course, they drafted Bryce Young, number one overall, and then follow that up with Jonathan Mingo as well in the second round, a wide receiver that is likely to, at some point, become a, a bigger factor here for this Carolina Panther team. Now, Stephen, if you listen to the beat reporters, apparently early on, some real rapport between Bryce Young and Adam Thielen, that apparently Thielen has kind of become that security blanket guy. Now, I think you and I would both say that Adam Thielen is on the downside of his career, but as Adam Thielen as a veteran, kind of a savvy dude, could you see him playing almost a pseudo tight end role where he's rolling out there and just finding the holes in the defenses six and seven yards down the field and finding some high, high, you know, some very um, high likely, likely likelihood targets for um, Bryce Young? I think that that's, I think that certainly could be in the realm of possibility here. And, and I honestly think this team thinks they're going to be able to win this year. I mean, like with the moves that they made, Steve, like you don't bring in Adam Thielen and Miles Sanders and Hayden Hurst and all this. Like if you're thinking you're still a few years away, like I, I think they're bringing these dudes in for a quarterback that they drafted number one overall that they think Mike can be like league average in his rookie season. 
I agree with you. And they're in the right division to try and win it right yeah. away. So I think um, the, the one concern I have is I, I I'm curious what you think of this. I remembered the Panthers defense being pretty good last year. And then I looked at the numbers on paper and it was the complete opposite. They were good against mm-hmm. the run. They were top five in run stop win rate, but they were pretty well below average all season. Even if you take out the games where Matt rule was still head coach, they were still well below average against the pass overall in terms of EPA per play allowed and success rate. And I just felt like there's more talent on this defense than what they showed last year, even when they were playing for the interim head coach. Now I will say that there's, there's a lot of love for their new defensive coordinator. Frank Reich was able to go get a Giro Evero from Denver, who in the midst of the Nathaniel Hackett dumpster fire, put together a really impressive defensive effort with a top 10 unit. So I don't know what to think of this defense. And it's kind of the same way I feel about the offense with a rookie quarterback who I like and a head coach that I like as an offensive mind. Yeah. I just feel like I'm, I'm kind of having to be patient with this team early in the season. I I agree. And I, here's, here's the thing that is most intriguing to me about this Panthers team. And the reason why I did, I have bet this team to win this division is because they are they don't excel really at any positional group but they just have like solid guys all over the place yeah. right like it is it's one of those things like you look on the defensive side of the ball and it's like they've just got dudes that are kind of okay at every single position then you look on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball and you like gook and you're like look dj chark when healthy has been a productive receiver in this league, Adam Thielen, yes, on the downside of his career. But again, like we said, could he just kind of play a glorified kind of tight end role? But you also have Hayden Hurst, who, by the way, has caught several passes the last several years from Joe Burrow, who had a bunch of success throwing his way. Terrace Marshall is a guy they took in the second round a couple of years ago out of LSU that apparently uh, has figured the NFL out, um, according to a bunch of different people out there who have watched him going. Miles Sanders, we know, is a solid contributor from the running back position. The offensive line is just kind of average all the way across the board. Now, what if any of these positional groups, Stephen, overperform by 15%? And so now we're no longer talking about dudes that are just kind of like league average, kind of middle of the road, but now we're talking about dudes that are in the upper 30%. And now this team, I think the upside really and truly increases. And Am I buying into Bryce Young being able to step in and just like light the world on fire? I'm not, but I will say this, and you and I talked about this leading into the draft, whatever. Like, I really liked Bryce Young. I really liked the accuracy in Bryce Young. I really liked the poise and everything that I saw in Bryce Young at the collegiate level. And he played in the SEC. He played against some very, very tough opponents, and he had some very mo- big monster games against teams that pumped a lot of guys into the NFL. And so, you know, is he going to light the world on fire? No. Could he be a league average quarterback along with these other guys outperforming what we think is their baseline by 15, 20%, something like that? And like we look up and the Carolina Panthers are actually the team that wins 10 or 11 games this year. I do not think that is out of the realm of possibility at all. The only problem is, is we're going to learn a lot about this team in the first six weeks of the year because there's really just no cakewalk here for this team right out of the gate. It's against Atlanta. Hey, prove it to us. One of these teams, are you good or not? Saint, uh, they get the saints in week two, kind of the same deal. Seattle, who I think a lot of people are high on myself included in week three, Minnesota, who I've picked to win that division in week four, Detroit, who I think is again, at least going to be better than a league average team. And then Miami in week six, like that is not an easy six game stretch. And we're going to learn a lot about this team in weeks one to six. 
definitely. I mean, it, it sounds harder than if you look at what the current spreads are because three of those yeah. six are are basically pick them games now with yeah. spreads less than three, but three of them they're projected to lose where they're dogs of more than three points. So I, you read my mind, like back to the, the, the Google calendar uh, updates yeah. here. I, I think the bye week in week seven is where we look, maybe wait another week and, and before the game start in week eight, see where they're at. Because we know rookie quarterbacks tend to take a, a step after the bye week, get a chance to reevaluate, yep. coach them up a little bit. Because after the bye week, then they can Ooh. maybe go on a little bit of a run here. How perfect is this bye week, too, by the way? Like, they got, like, listen, I, I know it's a tough first six games, but, like, that is the perfect time for a bye week and then you, to come out of that into that stretch of games, right? Yeah, stretch of games against Houston, Indianapolis, Chicago. There is a game against Dallas, but after that, Tennessee and Tampa Bay. That's a juicy stretch right there, and that's your bye. And now you point. get the repeat games with the Saints and the Falcons after that. Now you've already played them. Now Bryce Young has 10, 12 games under his belt. Like, And then you get Green Bay in 16, and then Tampa again in Week 18. Like, I think this team is is certainly one of those where if Bryce Young is, again, league average, like I think that he could be this year, as a even as a rookie, where they could go on a stretch where they could close down and maybe run down this division on, in the second half of the season, given the way that things work out, right? Because you get all of those divisional games along with a bunch of easier-ish games, Houston, Indianapolis, Chicago, Tennessee, again, stuff like that. Like, I think they could run down this division kind of in the second half if they, if you know, again, if all things kind of played out. For sure. They, they have one of the five easiest schedules by opponent win totals, but the difference is... The crossover games, the Saints kind of get a break with getting the the Patriots, Giants and Rams as their crossover yeah. games. The Falcons get a big break with facing Washington and Arizona. They do get the Jets as one of their crossover games. And Carolina doesn't get much of a break. They, their crossover games are Miami, Dallas, and Seattle. That's tough. Mm -hmm. But two of those three crossover games are in the first six weeks that we talked about. So you get them out of the way, and then the schedule really softens up a little bit. That's where I'm looking to come in on this team. But I will say, you know, despite the fact that I am being patient in terms of whether I'm going to bet them against the spread, I am going to bet the over under in that week one game at Atlanta. It's at 42 and a half right now. The two games with these teams last year closed at 41 and a half a year ago. We know Arthur Smith operates at a snail's pace. We know Frank Reich when he doesn't have a disaster of a quarterback situation last year to throw that out the window. But in, in normal situations, the previous two years as Colts head coach, he operated at one of the slowest offensive paces in the league. And you have massive quarterback questions on both sides here so i i don't know why this is 42 and a half but I, i'm gonna bet the under here week one on that game the reason i did go ahead and put in the ticket preseason here on the panthers is because again i'm not completely sold on the falcons nor am i completely sold on the saints and while i think that minnesota is going to be better and while we all think that detroit is going to be better look none of this stuff is is, is a given right i mean the 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 Detroit still quarterback by Jared Goff. I mean, like we could have just gotten like an outlier career year by Jared Goff. Like we right. certainly could be looking at a big time regressive regression season with Minnesota winning all those one score games and stuff last year. And again, beating, I'm not sold on the Falcons nor the saints. So the reason I did put in the, the preseason bet on the Panthers is I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. They come out of that six game stretch with four wins. And if they do that, then like the four plus 400 for them to win this division is, is going to be long, long gone. Yeah. And so, um, I think, uh, you know, there's a pretty 
a decent chance at least three and three coming out of that. And even then that, that's going to shrink these odds given how the, the schedule lightens up or the second half. So that's the reason I did go ahead and play it preseason here. And I think this Panthers team, it, so long as Bryce Young doesn't prove to have just the rookie jitters and, and he very well might, right? I mean, we've seen rookies come in and have rocky first years and then go on to greatness. And so like that, that doesn't mean that he's a bust, but I think uh, I think Bryce Young is specifically in this division, certainly that this team is live, and that's why I did at least put that in preseason as opposed to, if you're wondering why I keep talking about, it, oh, no, in-season this, in-season that, it's mainly because I think that it, it, there's a non-zero chance this team comes out, you know, 4-2 and two out of the first six games, and if that's the case, then I, I've, I've lost a lot of value on that number. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think if I was going to place a bet right now in this division, it would be the Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. because of just how wide open this thing is. And uh, yeah, it's in the range of outcomes that Bryce Young's good right away. I mean, he's got yeah. the coach to go with it. We mentioned the defensive coordinator could get more talent, more production yeah. out of the talent on this defense. Brought in so. some veterans to help him out, you know, yeah. like, you know, the the Hursts and the Thielens and the Sanderses and stuff like that on the offensive side. So, I mean, like they they're they're trying to I, I this is not one of those like, oh, we had to draft, you know, a rookie quarterback. And so, like, we're going to build like I think they think they can win this year. And yeah. I don't think it's crazy either. So. Uh, that's why I'm on this Panthers team. Now, the team that is fourth and dead last in the betting odds, and again, as we mentioned, uh, as far as the Super Bowl, one of the longest shots out there, only the Colts, Cardinals, and Texans' worst odds than the Bucks, 8-1 to one on this team to win this division. We know the big changes here, and that is no longer quarterbacked by Tom Brady. So he is gone. Tom Brady's gone. Shaq Mason is gone as well. No more, you know, and guys, these guys were kind of old and washed anyway, but like, you know, there's no Leonard Fournette or Julio Jones or any of those. Like, they're all gone as well. Cam Brate is gone. Like, there's a lot of dudes that are no longer there. Now, they bring in Baker Mayfield. He is going to be likely your starter. I mean, it, I know there's going to be people who are going to be beating the drum for Kyle Trask. It, it's probably going to be Baker Mayfield until he proves that he can't handle it. So, you you do have him. Outside of that, they were in cap hell, Stephen. They couldn't really bring in any other big names. I mean, Greg Gaines is a linebacker they brought, I mean, a defensive lineman they brought in. He'd probably get a little bit of run. But outside of that, they just, you know, this is a team that is in rebuild mode. And the reason I, I said, like, at the very beginning of the podcast, like, would it shock me if this team won this division? It wouldn't because you still have Baker Mayfield who has a lot of NFL talent, and he's still throwing the ball to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. That's a pretty damn good wide receiver duo. But, I mean, that's about where the – a lot of it ends. I mean, on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball, I mean, uh, uh, that's on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, I mean, I think this has kind of like been a little underrated here about this team. Now, look, they, they might end up selling some of these guys away for parts if they do a full rebuild, but at least starting the year, right on the defensive side of the ball, like they've got some players, dude, like, like Dean and Winfield and Neil and David and Devin White and you know I mean like they, they've got some players on the defensive side of the ball. Now they might again, like I said, they might decide to rebuild completely and sell these dudes off for parts. But at least to start the season, this is not going to be just like some pushover defense by any stretch of the imagination. So I think it's like I, I still think they're by far the worst team in the division. But if they went on some sort of crazy, you know season in which they won nine games or 10 games it wouldn't like blow me away by any stretch I can get there on the defense I I agree with you there they they remained above average in EPA and success rate allowed last year against the run and the pass Mm -hmm. so I I agree with you that the defense uh, could cause some problems especially in a division that does not have above average quarterback play arguably 
Um, yeah. You know, maybe Derek Carr is the only exception to that statement. So um, the offense is where I have a lot of trouble getting there. Mm. I, I know Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are good, but quarterbacks got to have time to get him the ball. And only two of five offensive linemen return. They lost left tackle Donovan Smith. They did draft uh, Cody Mock out of North Dakota State in the second round. He's going to probably start at guard right away. But their projected right tackle, Luke Gedke, was the number 70 graded guard last year. And I remind you all that only 64 start every week. And I remind mm. you as well that I said guard, not tackle. And now he was so bad at guard that they're going to put him at right tackle. So it could be bad, especially when you combine it with Baker Mayfield, who among quarterbacks with at least 100 attempts last year, ranked 45th and 48th in EPA per play and success rate. He was also bottom five in completion percentage over expected. The only quarterbacks that were worse than him in that stat were PJ Walker, Malik Willis, and Trace McSorley. That's where I have a hard time getting there on this team doing much, Matt. Yeah, I mean, look, you you have one of the best left tackles in the game in Tristan Wirth. So, like, you at least have that. And, and Ryan Jensen's coming back off of injury. Now, before injury, Ryan Jensen was one of the better offensive linemen in the league, certainly one of the better centers in the league. What we don't know is what he's going to look like coming off of injury this late in his career. Could that just make him, you know, a dud? And that, that certainly could be the case, right? I mean, like, so... I don't think it's as dire as as maybe you're making it out, but I mean it's it's certainly not great, right? I mean it's it's certainly not a great situation at all. And I think also we could be looking at a spot where I don't know what ownership wants to do. I again like they weren't able to really add in free agency due to all the cap hell that they were in. Do we get to a point in the season in which they look and like, you know, they look at Mike Evans. They look at Chris Godwin. They, they you know, even tr even Tristan Worse, even right. It's like we could get a lot back for these guys still, and we're going to be in a rebuild as it is anyway. Do we go ahead and just basically punt right on on this year? And I don't think again, I don't think that's out of the range of outcomes at all either. Like there is a team that would trade for Mike Evans. There is a team that would trade for Chris Godwin. There's definitely a team that would trade for Tristan Worse. Like that's that's absolutely the case. He's again one of the best left tackles there is in the game. So. I, you know, that's what really is the hold back here for me on any sort of Bucks bets. And if anything, it's probably unders and maybe even all unders on this team because I do think there is a chance that they just go, hey, let's wave the white flag. We've got some awesome players coming out in this draft this coming year. Let's rebuild this damn thing from the ground up and and let's just like go ahead and understand we might have a tough year or two but but in three years we're going to look really really strong because we have a lot of young talent and a lot of guys on rookie deals and a lot of stuff that we can really work with I don't think that that's crazy I think that's at least something that could possibly be in the plans maybe even already for this team so for me it's why I'm fading basically this team at, at all like the, the win total is six and a half see like could they win seven games? Absolutely. Listen, if you have Mike Evans and you have Chris Godwin and Baker Mayfield plays like, you know, the, the couple of seasons. Yeah, like, yeah, in, a, in the defense, they keep in, in check. Like, they keep the defense intact, right? I mean, like, sure, they could stumble into seven wins. So I don't want to play against them on the win total market. I, you know, I don't know. To me, it's just a, it's a very confusing team. I don't know what they, what their motivation is. I don't know what, like, they're thinking long term here. So it's just tough for me to do any anything with the Bucks really. Uh, 
it, it's it can be dangerous to prognosticate based off of spreads before any games are played yeah. in the season. But so so take this for what it's worth. But with right. that win total at six and a half, they currently have eight games on the schedule where they are an underdog of more than three points. So if you assume that they lose those games, well, now they have the remaining nine games that are toss up games with spreads of less than three, and you need them to win seven of those nine games to get to over six and a half wins this year. And to your point, if if they start slow, are they, I fully expect Kyle Trask is the quarterback of this team by at least the midpoint of the season. Right. And even in the, and why not? The, right. Like, and why right. wouldn't they? I mean, like, like Baker Mayfield is not going to be under center for your team long-term. Right. I mean, like that's just, that's just not going to happen. And maybe he's good. We don't know. I mean, he, yeah. we haven't seen him. So, um, but even in the games where they're favored and they're only favored in six of them, half of those six games where they're favored, the spreads only minus one. So, I mean, it's, they're not really favored. I mean, I guess technically you can say it, but it's a, it's a toss up game. So, and, and their rating could go down as we go along here. And then they're not the favorite anymore in half of those yeah. six games. So it's, there's a, I see a ton of downside here. Alt under is probably the only thing I'd play right now. I haven't, I haven't bet it yet because of the potential unknown if Trask gets in and, and what this team looks like at that point. And because I do respect the defense. So yeah huge range of outcomes here for me at least in terms of being really bad to maybe a 500 team yeah and, and look there's just no like and there's no like even like entry points or buy points whenever you look along the the line from a scheduling standpoint i mean it's like it's philly in week three it's detroit in week six it's buffalo in week eight yeah. it's san francisco in week 11 like, I, you know, again, we're we think that maybe one of these like we think that one of the young quarterbacks is probably going to figure it out. We don't think all three of them are going to be a bust. So then you get a three game stretch against the Panthers, Falcons and, and Packers in which you know, maybe Jordan Love and Bryce Young have figured it out by then. Maybe hell, maybe all three of them figured it out by then. Then Jacksonville, it's just there's no like even entry points here for this team either. So it's just it's. It's real tough. I, the only thing, I guess, if you're a Bucks backer or want to be a Bucks backer or a Bucks fan that you can look at here is this this team over the last two years, like, they were just ravaged by injuries. I mean, like, like everybody was hurt all the time for this team. And so, like, you would like to think that maybe you don't, like, you could run on the right side of variance as opposed to the wrong side of variance and, like, you don't have guys on the sideline all the time. So maybe, like, if you want to try to find a silver lining in all this, that, like, they just had horrible injury luck. But outside of that, Steven, I just, there's not a lot to love, not even a lot of like, not a lot to like even for me in this one. So uh, Bucks are a pretty much a complete fade for me. What's your reaction if I tell you the over-under week one in Minnesota is 45 and a half? I mean, well, given it's the only time I know for sure that they're going to step on the field with a very healthy Mike Evans <laughs> and a very healthy Chris Godwin and whatever, then like and Rashad White and all that, you know, whatever. Like that'd be the only time I would at least think that maybe they could put some points up, right? Like it's like it, it's only yeah. a matter of time to Mike Evans tweak something or Chris Godwin tweaks something or whatever, and all. Like it might be the only time that I would look to say like, okay, well maybe they score some points in week one. Yeah, the, the reason I ask is the other side, too, because if, if we do think this defense is above average again like they were last year, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe Minnesota's not dropping 30 like everybody assumes on them. So, yeah, it's it it's yeah, interesting. This ponder. division, though, overall, I was super excited. 
uh, you chose to do this one because it's just an, a super interesting division overall for me. Like I said, I only have two bets in the account um, currently. I did take the pack. Uh, I did take the Panthers to win this division, and I did go ahead and go over on Olave receiving yards. I don't have it in front of me exactly what I got it at, but I can't imagine it's been on the run or anything like that. Like. I think that we are looking at a situation. It, one thing we know about Derek Carr, like, dude, like, Derek Carr will just throw to the same dude over yep. and over and over and over and over again. Like, if he figures out that you're his guy, like, he will just target in on you. Like, I don't know if the efficiency will be there, but if you're getting 12 targets a game, like, you don't have to be that efficient, right? Like, you only got to catch six or seven of them. Well, and I've a thousand so, right now. thousand and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I think I got it. Yeah, nine ninety five and a half, something like that. Whatever, something like that. So uh, I think I think Olave is 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 in for a pretty big year this year. It, no matter how the Saints do, right? Like no matter how they they do, I think Olave is is going to vote there. So that's only two bets from this division in my account as we speak right now. Do you have anything in there? Or anything that you're thinking about? Yeah, I'm going to tail Eli and Evan on the Saints long shots of 28 to 1 to be the last unbeaten. I may even sprinkle, I think there's a 40 to 1 on on number 1 seed for the Saints. I think that's I'm I'm not as confident in that one. Um but the schedule is extremely easy. I'm going to tail yeah. the 25 to 1 on Dennis Allen coach of the year. Uh, I'm going to be patient with the Falcons, but that first game against the Panthers, I am going to take under 42 and a half in week one. I would be, I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if come game week that that number starts with a three. So mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But, um, and then I'm just going to be patient. I think I, I, I want to be bullish on the Panthers like you are. But I am going to wait till the bye week to see if I can get a bigger number and risk it. And I fully yep. acknowledge that it is possible that they are are better than we think to start the year, and and they're at least five hundred. And guys, like I know this sounds silly, but seriously, put into your calendar to check what the Falcons' adjusted win total is after week four. Just put it into your calendar. They go on a ridiculously nice stretch of games after that, and I think we're going to get some value on that Falcons team. Listen, I don't think Red Ritter's going to be good but i also don't think he's going to be a bust and so as long as we can as long as he can not be a bust with the playmakers he has this team is going to score some points and certainly as they get more comfortable with each other they're going to be scoring some points as well so do do take a look at all that guys everything we do absolutely free over at the line so all we ask of you if you're listening to the audio side little five-star reviews great helps us climb the podcast charts if you want to leave a comment that's even better if you're on the video side of things go down hit the subscribe button give us a little thumbs up and then leave a comment in there as well, we'll read those things and certainly answer some questions along the way. If you want to talk football, golf, college basketball, whatever it might be, we also have a free Discord. Lines.com, upper right-hand corner. There's a little Discord button. Be sure and get in there. And we're discussing all the sports all the time in there. And that also absolutely free as well. For Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your NFC South bets.